welcome to the Life Church podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message from our lead pastor, Zion Douglas, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. Well, this morning I'm going to be sharing part two of uh, seven sayings of a worshipper. Seven sayings of a worshipper. Last week we got we got through three sayings. So this Sunday we're going through, we're going for all of them. We're going for the rest of them two days. How about you open up your word to Habakkuk chapter three. Habakkuk chapter three. Awesome, these guys. Give me a yes once you get to Habakkuk chapter three because you're all flicking through your Bibles. I can see that. Amen, amen. Well, Habakkuk is an amazing uh, book in the Bible. It's a, it's a three-chapter book in the, in the Bible that really takes us on a very awesome but interesting journey through this amazing prophet's life. And uh, really, it was a time of great distress for him, for the nation itself, and, and a time that really the future looked very bleak. So much evil was, was thriving during this time. And it was, wasn't just hidden away, it was right out in the open. All the stuff that would be considered evil in the eyes of God. Yet, yet God Himself, He remains strangely silent. And so in chapter 1, it's literally titled, if you want some encouragement this morning, it's literally titled Habakkuk's Complaint. That's the first chapter in uh, Habakkuk. And so not exactly amazing, but I just want you to know with that, that God isn't afraid of your complaints. God isn't afraid of what you've got to offer Him. God isn't afraid to, to hear the things that are going on in your world. You know, He's not a God that is, I've said this before, but He's not a God that is too big, that doesn't care about what you're going through, but He's not a God also that's too small, that He's not powerful enough to deal with the things that are going on in your life. Can I get an amen? So chapter one is Habakkuk's complaint and God then comes and answer, answers the prophet, which is, uh, which is quickly followed by another complaint. Who likes somebody that complains not once, but twice to God, amen? Who knows, like if you were, if you were somebody and, uh, well, you are somebody, so that's, that's great. But uh, if, if you complain to God and then He audibly spoke back to you, I don't know if you'd really answer, like complain again. You'd probably be like, okay, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to stay, I'm, I'm going to get on, I'm going to get on with things. But no, he hasn't just complained once, he complains twice. And then God graciously answers him again. And then the last chapter of the book is finished off by Habakkuk's prayer. Even though everything going on hasn't been fixed, even though the, the future looks incredibly bleak and the, the future really looked like the Babylonians were going to invade their nation. Even though all of this stuff was going on, he decides to finish off with a prayer to God. And this is what it says in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. You got it, your Bible out? That's right. And this is what it says. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stores, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Amen. 
I'm going to say that again for the three people that didn't catch that the first time. This is what it says. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stores, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Amazing scripture. So much trouble, so much strife, so much lack, yet he finishes it by saying, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. This is what it says in the Good News translation. I will still be joyful and glad because the Lord God is my Savior. Come on, let's thank God that He is our Savior. Come on, anybody that's grateful this morning that you're a God in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we have together. I thank you, Lord, for every person that is in the building right now. And I also pray for, Lord, for those that are at home or at work or sitting by the side of the road in their car. Lord, watching online, would you bless every single person? And Lord, I pray you don't, that, that we this morning don't just hear a word from man, but we hear a revelation from heaven. Lord, impart to us what we need right now. Lord, we need your voice. We need your, we, we, we need, we need your uh, revelation. Lord, we need your spirit, Lord God, more than ever in this place. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty, wonderful name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 So something that happens generally when you spend a lot of time with somebody is that you get to know how people act. Is that right? Or is that right? You get to know how people act, but not only that, let me tell you, you don't just get to know how people act, you also get to know how people react in the bad times. You ever been around a friend and they're like, you know how they're going, to, you know what they do, you know their personality, but you got that one friend that as soon as everything goes bad, you know that they're just gonna, they're just gonna throw up a little bit of a Hufflepuff. I don't even know what that means, but it's bad. They just overreact or something like that. The more you spend time with somebody, you really get to know how they tick. Just what that, that thing about them. You just know that this is what they will talk about when you're with them. You know that when you're hanging out with Ezra Mean, he's going to talk about good medium length hair and boxing. You know that's what he's going to talk about because that's obviously what he's passionate about in his life. You know that if you're going to talk about something else for somebody else, I'm not going to point out people because it could get offensive. <laughs> and I want to be encouraging this morning. But you know how, what they're going to talk about. You know, if you're going to sit down with them over a coffee or a cup of tea, you know kind of where they're going to, where they're going to go in the conversation. And I don't mean this in a condescending way, or I don't mean this in a way that's going to belittle anybody here this morning. But it just seems that there are, once you get to a certain age, it seems like, you know, you've got a bit of wisdom behind you, you've got a bit of a, you know, you've got the, the, the hair of glory uh, that, is, that is sprouting uh, up above you, you know, the, the gray hair of wisdom, amen. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. I don't have that yet, so I need, I need your wisdom. But you know that there comes a point where you, you get to know somebody that's a bit, bit more wiser than you, and you know that they're going to have a saying. 
they're going to have something to say to almost everything. My mum's trust is saying to me, whenever I had a time or a sense of insecurity, she always said to me, Zion, you're the head and not the tail. I don't care about all the stuff. You can you don't, stop complaining to me. Stop trying to tell me that you're not good enough. Stop trying to tell me that you can't do something. Zion, God has called you to be the head and not the tail. I'm sure that your parents said something to you. Maybe it was encouraging. Maybe it wasn't encouraging. But there are scenes in life that are just awesome. They just really click. They just really, you, you, they get within you. You got to help me out here this morning because I've got a few classic sayings. Practice makes, oh, come on, church, that's amazing. Yes, first go, that's incredible. Practice makes perfect. One swallow doesn't make a summer. That's right, amen. A watched, a watched pot never boils. I feel like this section over here, there's not much interaction from uh, this section over here. Come on, guys, I need you to participate. People who live in, in glass houses shouldn't throw... Stone, that's right. That's a word right there. No, I'm kidding. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. A bird in hand is better than the two in the bush. Yes. The proof is in the? Amen, it is. Amen. Don't throw the baby out with the? But that's right. And so any new parents, please, that is not just a metaphor for you this morning. And lastly, too many cooks spoil the broth. Sayings. Sayings are amazing. But why are they so important and, and powerful? Well, they remind you of a clear truth in the space of a few words. You don't need to have a big speech. You don't need to explain something incredibly long. All you need to do is to tell people if there's too many people that are trying to take the lead, there's too many people that are trying to get involved, all you need to say to them, hey, too many cooks spoils the broth. And it seems like people, well, for the most part, amen, for the most part, people understand very quickly this truth that is condensed down into a few words. You know, even here at Life Church, we have a saying to really keep us focused, a few short words to make sure that whatever season we're in, no matter what we're facing as a church, we can be focused because what we have mission for, our mission is condensed into a few words. You might know it. It's to help people experience a, a life change. Gosh, I'm the pastor and I, I nearly missed that up. That's incredible. To help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. That's what we're here for. So if you're ever confused about what you're meant to do, if you're ever confused about what the mission, what the focus is for Life Church and for you as part of Life Church, is to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. It's amazing how a few words can just have a significant impact for a person to be able to put their focus or, or put, to put their mind on a truth. And that's why Proverbs 18.21, it, it is powerful. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We need to know, church, that words have more of an impact than we realize. The words that come out of our mouth really do have an impact on our lives. But let me also tell you that words that you allow to define you 
and words that you allow to flow through you will always have a great power over you. Let me say that again. Words that you allow to define you, words from your past, words from somebody else, words from a teacher 10 years ago, words from your parents, words from a sibling when they said something they shouldn't have at the wrong time, words that you allow to define you and words that you allow to flow through you. And by that, I mean words that you think about, but you allow them to impact things in your life. The words that kind of circulate in your mind that you then allow to flow into your life, they will always have a great power over you. But let me also say that it's not just the words that you, that you utter with your mouth that have power over you. Even more than that, it's the thoughts that you allow to dominate your life will have significant power over your life right now and over your life for the future. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, we demolish, someone say demolish. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And hear this, and we take captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We need to know that every action or word of, of worship even begins with the decision that we make with our thoughts. We need to know that there are thoughts that will come into our mind, whether it's by you, whether it's something that you have thought up yourself or whether it's something that somebody else has said to you this morning maybe. There are thoughts that if, they're not, if they don't line up with what God says about you, that they don't line up with what God says about the world and they don't line up with what God says about your future, we need to take them captive. We need to take them captive and submit them to the will of Christ. We, just, we often think that it's just the words that come out of our mouth that are the important thing. If we get that under control, then everything will be hunky-dory. But even Jesus showed us in the Bible that it's not just your words that come out of your mouth, but it's also your thoughts that really are the thing that matter. In Mark 2 and Luke chapter 5, it tells a story. It's the same story, but both, both chapters tell the same story of how Jesus was surrounded by people in the house while he, was, while he was teaching. And it says God's power, God's healing power was strongly with Jesus. That's amazing. I want this to be a place that when we gather together that God's healing power is in the room. That we don't miss that moment. We don't get used to that moment. But we really understand that when God's healing power is in the room, we've got to be ready to move. Amen? Come on, amen? That's more like it. And some of us may know the story, but it, it goes on to say how some men wanted to drop their friend down in the middle of the crowd. And Jesus saw their faith and, and He said, Young man, your sins are forgiven. Incredible moment. The Bible then goes on to say that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law just thought. They didn't say it, they just thought. It didn't come out of your mouth, they just had it in their mind. They thought of themselves dishonouring thoughts of who does he, meaning Jesus, who does Jesus think that he is? The amazing thing, it goes on to say that Jesus immediately knew what they were thinking. He immediately knew what they were thinking. And then, so instead of the healing power of Jesus flowing to them like it was meant to, the healing power of God was on Jesus for them in that moment. Instead of the, instead of his healing power flowing through them, uh, flowing, flowing to them, it, it, it was their critical and self-righteous attitude that meant they were able to only spectate on a, on a miracle, but not participate in a miracle. 
Let, let this not be a place that we come in on a, on a Sunday morning or we're in our life group or we're, or going, we're in, in, in the week and we have a moment where, where God wants to move, but because we're so critical, because we're so sitting back and observing and judging other people, or why is that person coming up to the altar call again? They've come up to the altar call five weeks in a row. Why is that person up on the platform? They shouldn't be, be up on the platform. I'm a better singer than them. Why can't I have the opportunity to lead worship? Well, 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 well where's my turn? Why am I a leader? Surely they've seen my potential. As soon as we take that critical spirit on, what it does is that forces us into a place where we're not participating in the miracle. We're only spectating. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a church that just spectates what's going on. I want to be right in the middle of it. If someone's getting their leg healed, man, I want my leg healed. If someone's getting two inches, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Someone gets two inches taller, I want to be, you know, two inches taller. <laughs> Sophie, <laughs> stop laughing. <laughs> oh, it's Steve. All right. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do it together, right? Let's not be spectators of what is happening in the moment. Because I know that there are moments, there are moments that if we don't seize, they'll pass by. The amazing thing about Jesus when he was walking on the water, it says that he was walking past the disciples when they were on the boat. Isn't that incredible? He wasn't walking to the disciples, he was walking past the disciples. And it took the disciples to call out to him, Jesus, we need your help for Jesus to... Anyway, that's a message for another day, amen? Let's never allow ourselves to be in an atmosphere of breakthrough, but our thoughts and our words are putting a limit on what Holy Spirit can do in our lives. We need to take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. You know what? We may not feel like it at times. We may not feel like worshiping all the time, but God has created us to be worshipers. Do you know that? You are designed, you're created with an innate ability, with an innate need to worship God. David said in Psalm 31, 34 verse 1, I will extol the Lord at all times. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. That means, do you know, do you know, what, do you know, do you know what? I'm going to get my words out. Today is a good day to worship God. Today is a good day to worship God. If, if, if you're a leader here today, guess what? Today is a good day to worship God. You may, may, might be a leader and you might think, well, I've done my part. Now, now I've graduated to, I get to sit back and part, just get to watch. I get to kind of just examine everybody else to make sure that they're worshiping correctly. No, 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 no. Today is a good day to worship God. Amen. Today is a good day to worship God. Psalm 118, 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. We will, re we will rejoice and be glad in it. I just want to say again that today is a good day to worship. And do you know what? Tomorrow will be a good day to worship. Next Sunday when we gather together again will be a good day to worship. Can I get an Amen. Next month, where your situations may have changed and some things may have remained the same, next month, it will still be a good day to worship. Next year, 
you know, in two, 2000, and I don't even know what year it is next year, 2021, 2021 in November next year, it will still be a good time to worship God. It will still be a good time. Do you know that when you graduate to heaven, guess what? It's still going to be a good time for us to worship God. Isn't that awesome? Today, the next day, the day after that, five days from now, 10 days from now, 100 days from now, when none of us are still here on earth, it is still going to be a good day to worship God. When all of us are in heaven together, I, amen, amen. When the whole city of Palmerston North and Ashes and Levin and Field are in heaven, amen. It will still be a good day to worship God. And A.W. Tozer said this, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the Word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Isn't that awesome? If you don't, if you don't enjoy worship, you're probably not going to enjoy heaven very much. It's just going to be holy, holy, holy is the, is the Lord God Almighty. For decades and years and millennium to come, for eternity, that's what we're going to be doing. I mean, I'd love to say to, to all our leaders in the house, if you don't like worshiping and praying, you're probably not going to like heaven. But also, if you, if you don't like worshiping and praying, you're probably not going to like leading a live church. Amen? That's right. I got at least three. That's encouraging. There is a power that we can't describe, there's a power that we can't even put our finger on when we make a decision to worship. When our thoughts are engaged, when we make a decision, yes, I can obey these thoughts, but today I'm going to obey the thoughts. I'm going to obey, my, my, my thoughts are going to be submitted to Christ. I'm going to make them obedient to Christ and I'm going to make a decision today to worship Him. And so there are some sayings that I want us to take on. We spoke about a few of them last week. I'll go over them again. But there is so, so much power when we make a decision, when we, when, we, when, we, when we say a declaration, when we have a saying, that when we come up against the moment when we don't want to, we can make a choice. My words are powerful. I will declare this and I will activate my spirit to worship Him. The, the first thing that we talked about last Sunday is that I will stand. I will stand. You, you know what we need right now? It's Christians that will take a stand for what the truth really is. You know, you know what the world needs when, when the world is getting darker? It's for Christians that aren't ashamed of the light that they carry. We talked about Daniel we, we, last week when, when Daniel was, uh, w w was about to be thrown into the lion's den and this, this decree was brought out that you're only allowed to worship the king. And, 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 and Daniel he not, didn't want to take any part of it. He said, that's okay, but I will only worship my God. And he went home and he, and he made a decision. I'm, I'm going to put him first. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to open up my windows and worship him. And I do not care what anybody says about me. You know, the Bible says if we're to stay silent, Jesus said if we're to stay, st stay silent, even the rocks will cry out. Let's not be a people that we're so afraid of our praise. We're, we're so reserved in our worship that the rocks take our place in worshiping God. Amen. Come on, church. We need to take a stand. Can I hear an Amen. Number two, I will succeed. You might feel, oh, really? Can you say that in church? Yes, I just did. I will succeed. I'm not talking about getting another boat or another boat. I'm not talking about getting a boat. <laughs> You're looking at me like, you've got two boats. No, I don't even have, I don't have a dinghy, okay? <laughs> I've got probably a floaty tube at home. 
and it's probably got a puncture or something like that too. But I'm not talking about what you can gain in the physical. I'm talking about what you gain in the spiritual when you align yourself with God. I will succeed, not because of what I have, but because of who I serve. Romans 8.37 says, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Amen. Who's, who's somebody that's more than a conqueror? Amen. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Number three, what we talked about last week is that we said, I will sing. We need to make a decision sometimes to sing, to use the words, to get them out. We talked about before about how our words are the power of life and death. We need to sing. We need to declare, use our words, use our throat, use our lungs. If, if you've got, still got breath in your lungs, you, you, you still have an opportunity to worship. You still have a moment to praise. You still have a reason to give glory to Him. Everything else in your life might be going wrong, but as long as you have breath, you have something to be grateful for. Can I get an amen? Number four, this week, I want to say, a saying I want us to carry into our week is that I will sacrifice. I will sacrifice. We need to know that true worship will always cost us something. If you want to worship, it's always got to cost you something. I remember when I was at primary school and I really loved these little figurines of a, from a cartoon show that I won't talk about because, uh, because later on I had some troubles with it. I wasn't allowed to watch it anymore. And so it is evil. Amen. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, but I watched this, watched this show and I really loved these figurines while I, while I had the chance and I would save up all my money and I'd, and I'd, I'd, I'd save and I'd steal. I mean, I'd, I'd save and all this money and uh, I'd, I'd gather it in. Mum would take me down to Toy World and we'd get these little figurines and they were awesome. And I could only buy a, like a couple of them because that's all I could afford. And it came to my birthday and my best friend, who wasn't my best friend for much longer after this moment, and you'll, you'll see in a, in a moment, he, he, he came to my birthday and he bought this little like a little plastic uh, takeaway thing. Oh, I don't know what they're called, like takeaway box, plastic thing. And, uh, and, he, and he'd wrapped it and, uh, and then he, he, he gave it to me. And, uh, and he said to me, these are, these are all the dumb ones that I didn't want. So I thought you'd like them instead. And, and it was my birthday and I was, really, you're supposed to be my friend. You're supposed to be my friend. And do you know what I did with that box of uh figurines that he didn't want, but he thought they were good enough for me. Do you know, do you know what I did with it? I put it in a drawer and I didn't think about it for, for, for years. I just left it there. The, the thing with God is that it's, it's almost the same thing, is that He is not a God that deserves our leftovers. He, he's not a God that just deserves what's left of us. He, our God deserves the best of us. He deserves the best of me because He gave everything He had for us on the cross. He, he gave His life for us. He, he, God gave His Son for us. He gave the very best for us. And so what we're doing is that we're not giving, we're not preemptively giving uh, our best to Him. We are responding with our best to God because He's already done it for us. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, someone say continually, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Continually offer a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. You, might, you know, you, you might not want to clap your hands, but maybe clapping your hands is a sacrifice that you need to step into to give Him your best. 
You may look at some young people on a, on a Sunday morning or a Friday night and see them jumping around and thinking that you're too, you've, 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 you've elevated yourself. What's the word? You have, you have graduated beyond jumping in church. Let me tell you that I think for us as a church to, to see a breakthrough personally, we need to make a sacrifice in our worship. Maybe that's lifting one hand. Maybe that's lifting two hands. Maybe that's saying hallelujah. Whatever it may be for us, let's make sure that we're not getting comfortable in our worship and it doesn't cost us anything. Our worship needs to cost us something. Number five, a saying that we need to have is, I will struggle. That might be a weird thing for, 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 you, to, for you to hear, but let me explain it. The reality is that sometimes life can be difficult and the best option can seem like allowing God to be at a distance because of what is happening in your present. It just, it just seems like I'm going to leave God over there because right now what I'm facing, I, I just can't handle having to do anything about it. I'm just going to live with what I have. I'm going to be content. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be okay with the issues that are happening in my life. I'm going to be okay with my family not knowing Jesus. I'm going to be okay with my parents not knowing, not knowing Jesus. I'm going to be okay with my workplace being a, being a toxic culture. I think we need to be a people that we, we struggle a bit in our worship. We don't just settle in our worship, but we reach out to God and say, I'm going to, I'm going to wrestle in this moment. I'm going to wrestle God with you. I'm not going to be okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to just settle for what is. I'm going to wrestle with you until I get what I know you want for me in my life. Amen. We need to know that when we come to worship, we're coming into battle. This isn't just a nice song. It's not just some music that we're listening to. It's a battle that we step into and engage with every time that we worship God. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a battle that is going on. And there's a, there's a story in Genesis 32 how Jacob, who was at the end of his tether, he, he, he thought that he was going to lose it all. He thought that his brother, his own brother, was on his way to kill him. And so there was a moment that he had with God. And it says, so Jacob, from verse 22, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled him with, with him until daybreak. This man being an angel, he found, finds out later. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. The man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And he later changed his name to Israel. But the thing about the story is that Jacob would not let go of this angel. Jacob would not let go of this, of this what appeared to be a man until he got the blessing that he needed. I want you to know that we need to be a church that when it comes to worship, we need to start wrestling with God. I say, God, I'm not, I'm not letting go. God, I'm going to wrestle. God, I'm going to hold on to you. God, I'm going to cry out to you. God, I'm going to declare some things over my future. God, I'm going to declare the Scripture, the, the, the Word over my life because I know what you have for me. It deserves me putting up a fight for. Amen. Number six, as the team comes up on the stage. Number six, I will surrender. I will surrender. You know, after a time of struggle, we need a time of surrender. Surrender is a very unpopular word. We don't like to surrender much. But you don't have the, always have the ability to control, but you always have the power to surrender. 
The truth is that worship means to surrender all that we have to Him. We're surrendering one way or another. You know, you're either surrendering to your, to your pride. We can surrender to our feelings. We can surrender to what's going on in our world. We can surrender to the, 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 the pressure, the peer pressure of not wanting to step out and worship God because of what the other people will say around us. Or we can surrender completely and fully to Him. Even Jesus said to His disciples in Matthew 16, if any of you, any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. There comes a point for every person in your worship. You're like, it's not about me anymore. It's not about just what I want. God, but what do you want in my life? I'm gonna lay down my life for you. Number seven. Number seven, the same we need to carry as worshipers. Is I will stay. I will stay. When all is said and done, can you just stop for a while? Joshua did this when Moses was in the tent of meeting. Moses went out and met with the people after being in the presence of God. But the Bible says that Joshua stayed in the tent of meeting. What a powerful thing it is that when you want to move on, you want to go on to what's next, but you stop and stay in His presence. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I'm going to say that again because I think someone needs to hear this verse. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. You know, the world is constantly trying to tell us what is coming next. You've got social media that's always refreshing. You've got YouTube that's always giving you the next video to watch. You, you, you've got, when you're watching TV1 or TV3 or whatever it is these days, and you're watching straight after the show, it doesn't even show you the, uh, what's it called? The, uh, the, the credits, that's right. I don't even watch TV anymore much uh, because we live up, you know, anyway. It doesn't even really show you that sometimes. It just shows you what's coming up next. I mean, on your phone right now, you, you probably have like a little tingle within you saying, just check my phone, just grab it out and just have a look. Grab it out, see what's happening on social media. Grab it out and see what's happening on the news. But there comes a point, I just believe for all of us that we need to stop wanting or waiting or, or, or looking at what's next and just ask ourselves, what would it take for me just to stay? What would it take for me just to wait a while? What would it take for me just to take some time out? Just to not move on to the next thing. Not to just get up in the morning, just carry on with my day. Not to just wake up and have my breakfast and go to work and just get into the routine of life. But when it comes to the church, just waiting in His presence, being okay. That when it comes to the worship song at the end of the service, instead of walking out straight afterwards saying, God, I'm gonna wait for you in this moment. It might only be two minutes, but those two minutes can change your life. It might only be two minutes, but it might be two minutes that God, all God needs to speak to you what He needs to say. Let's not be people who just move on, just go through the motions, go, go, go through what's, what's coming up next, but we can wait in His presence. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe, or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz. Have a blessed week.